With summer closing in, I am so ready to ditch my cold weather clothes and say hello to shorts and tees. But I don't want to just buy what's trendy. I want to update timeless, high-quality summer pieces that I can utilize for all seasons and years to come without spending a fortune. And now I've got a lineup of beautiful clothes from Quince that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, Blouses and shorts from $30. That's what I'm talking about, babe. There's washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less oh than gosh. similar brands. It's actually because they partner directly with top factories, so Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. I actually just ordered their linen shorts, tops, and pants that I plan to wear for this summer because they're lightweight, and I'm so excited to get them and start planning my Quince capsule wardrobe for my summer travels. Honestly, I have so much Quince clothing, and I love it all. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com husband for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash husband to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash husband when you're traveling do you ever stress about what's happening back home like did you forget to lock up or leave a window open that's why we totally suggest getting simply safe home security today for top-notch security and peace of mind no matter where your summer adventures take you that's actually such a good point i think that is one of the main reasons peyton and i love simply safe as well is did I lock the front door? Did I do this? Is a window open? You can just tell exactly what's going on in your home. Right. And I, I know like when we travel, it is so nice to just have that peace of mind to know that your home is okay. There's also a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras that we've installed. So we have view of our entire house, every entry point. Plus, I just feel relieved knowing that it's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash husband. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland. And I'm Garrett Moreland. And he's the husband. And I'm the husband. Thanks again for all of the reviews we've been getting on our podcast. And also a reminder that we have a Patreon episode coming out this week. So if you want to listen to it, it's only for our Patreon members. Go ahead and visit Murder With My Husband Patreon. And Garrett, do you have your 10 seconds for this week? So Peyton has actually been taking boxing lessons, classes at the gym. So don't mess with her. Literally That's about all I have to say have about a, that. I have a bruise right now on my knuckle. Well, all my knuckles are busted. But She hit me today with one of the gloves and <laughs> it kind of hurt. I didn't know that was going to hurt. I really didn't. <laughs> you punched me. I was like, Because when I have those on me, I can't feel that I'm hitting. So uh -huh. when I hit you, I didn't feel how like I just. Well, I've never boxed, so uh, I don't. I never knew what those felt like. Yeah. Now I do. <laughs> okay. So our case sources today are a disappeared episode, season nine, episode four, eastidahonews.com, charlieproject.com, idahonews.com, storiesoftheunsolved.com. Okay. So our story starts on October 11th, 1993 in the small city of Chalice, Idaho, which is just around 1,000 people. Whoa. Chalice is a very small, remote town, definitely a rural area, a place where people didn't lock their doors type thing. It's around 3 p.m. when a nine-year-old girl named Stephanie Crane has just finished school for the day. Her and her friends are going to the local bowling alley together after school on this specific day, and everyone was excited to do so. And I do have to say, in small towns, like, bowling alleys are it. 
You know what I mean? Like growing up, it was bowling. Or, I mean, I like bowling. <laughs> it was bowling or nothing. And so <laughs> I think it's funny that this is the thing that ha- like uh, that surrounds this story because it's such a small town thing. How old was she again? Nine. Okay. And the year is 1993. So in the 90s. The bowling alley was positioned just across the road from the elementary school. So her and her friends were to just walk there together from the school. Stephanie and her friends were a part of the elementary bowling league. So this wasn't out of the norm for them as nine-year-olds. Bowling wasn't the only thing Stephanie enjoyed doing. She also played soccer. She would not be described by her loved ones as a girly girl. She was more of a tomboy. From the time she was little, Stephanie liked to be outdoors, enjoying hunting, fishing with her dad, was even stoked about a BB gun that she had finally got for Christmas one year, which be careful, you might shoot your eye out. (laughs) She liked to play outside in the dirt with the boys um, rather than play with dolls. Stephanie was outgoing and had so many friends. She is described as bubbly and enjoyable to be around. Stephanie's parents are Ben, who works in the mineral mines and as a taxidermist, and Sandy, her mother, who was a homemaker. She had three little sisters, but was definitely a daddy's girl and spent a lot of time with her grandma who lived next door. Got it. So you have to keep in mind that it's 1993 in a very small town. Children rode bikes and walked everywhere without adult supervision at this time. That's just how it was in Chalice, Idaho. It was not abnormal to see a young child alone without a parent around. So around 4.45 p.m. that day, after about three bowling games, Stephanie and her friends begin wrapping up at the bowling alley. A mother named Luann Berry had been there to keep score for the kids, and on the way out from the building, she sees Stephanie standing in the parking lot. Now, Stephanie usually walked home from both school and bowling practice because it was just, her home was just across a creek um, that was connected by a little, like, walking bridge, and then she just had to walk a little bit ways, but it wasn't too far for her to walk. I walked to school, you walked to school. Yep. Luann asks her if she's going home, and after she says yes, Luann sees Stephanie in her rearview mirror as she's pulling away, walking towards the bridge. But a minute later, another mother sees Stephanie outside the bowling alley, but this time, instead of heading towards the bridge, nine-year-old Stephanie has now walked to the edge of the road as if she's going to cross it and go back towards the school. Mm. The mom asks Stephanie if she needs a ride home, but Stephanie tells her that she forgot her backpack on the soccer field at the school, um, and so she was going to grab it and then head home. But thanks for the offer. It's okay. I'm just going to grab my backpack type thing. It would take Stephanie about five minutes to cross the road and get up to where the soccer field is at the school. And then from there, about another 10 minutes to make her way home on foot. Okay. Stephanie's grandma Hazel lives next door to her family's home and is expecting to see Stephanie at five o'clock when she normally checks in after walking home from school or bowling. But five o'clock comes and goes that day without nine-year-old Stephanie showing up. Around 5.15 p.m., Stephanie's mom, Sandy, calls Grandma Hazel and asks if Stephanie is at her house. Grandma, you know, goes and checks outside. Um, Maybe she had started playing around without checking in with any adult, but there is no sign of her. Sandy and Grandma Hazel begin searching around for Stephanie together. They get in the car. They drive around the area. But as daylight disappears and day turns into night, everyone begins to really worry. Once the sun drops... Kids go home. This is just how it worked at this time. That was how they knew to come home before, you know, cell phones exist. It was once the sun's down, it's time to be home. That's curfew. It's always 
pretty crazy to me when someone goes missing in a town that only has a thousand people. Right. right. It just seems like there's only so many suspects. Either someone drove from out of town or someone in that town is a killer or a crazy person without anybody knowing. All right, you guys, Audible is your one-stop app for all things audio entertainment, from bestsellers and the latest releases to celebrity memoirs and gripping mysteries. Audible's library is brimming with countless genres to love and new discoveries to make. Dive into an unparalleled selection of audiobooks and explore exclusive Audible originals brought to life by top celebrities, renowned experts, and fresh voices. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog in including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Plus, you can enjoy unlimited access to a growing selection of audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts such as Murder With My Husband. Honestly, I love Audible because I will get into a story while I'm cleaning or driving. Sometimes I get so hooked listening to a story, I just end up finding new places to clean or just end up sitting in my car, which drives Garrett nuts, but I'm out there sitting there. New members can explore Audible free for 30 days. Also this March through May, the Audible sweep you into a realm of intrigue and suspense with their mystery and thriller collection, featuring exclusive new thrillers from their best-selling authors. Their selection is designed to captivate and surprise ensuring your heart rate remains as elevated as your imagination. New members can try Audible for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500-500. That's audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500-500. We're jumping into an ad right now and I, no joke, I've had this question. I think about it all the time because I hate getting sick. Do you ever wonder why some people just don't get sick? One of the reasons you can help yourself from getting sick is Armra Colostrum. Okay, obviously I had no idea that colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and is an exclusive source of all the essential nutrients we need in order to thrive. So what's amazing is Armra colostrum is a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 functional nutrients to strengthen your immune barriers, your body's inside suit of armor, and the first line of defense against harmful particles from the environment that can trigger inflammation and actually make you sick i'm not saying that it 100 works for everybody because obviously you never know but all i'm saying is i haven't been sick since i started taking it well and the science behind it is so cool armor colostrum strengthens all four layers of your gut wall where 80 percent of your immune cells are housed and it's a rich exclusive source of antibodies that optimize your immune defense during cold and flu season plus in clinical trials bovine colostrum was found to be at least three times more effective than the flu vaccine at preventing the flu we've worked out a special offer for our audience receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash husband or enter husband to get 15% off your first order. Again, that's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A dot com slash husband. When we started podcasting, an online store was honestly the furthest thing from our minds. But now we're selling Murder With My Husband merch. And it's so easy because we use Shopify. And we really do. We use Shopify to sell our merch. I've been using Shopify for years. So it is absolutely amazing. Easy to use. So intuitive. I love it. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And it's great because they grow with you. So whether you're just launching your shop or you've just hit 
a million orders, they are there every step of the way. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. We've actually tried a couple other platforms before we started using Shopify to sell our merch and Shopify is just the best. Um, I've been using it for years, like I've said, and I just love having control over it and being able to do what I want. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash husband. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash husband now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash husband. So on top of the fact that Stephanie didn't come home when it got dark, this is also weird because Stephanie was terrified of the dark. She didn't like sleeping at anyone else's house, not even grandma's because of this. Yeah. So despite the worries, everyone decides that Stephanie probably just went home from bowling with a friend and forgot to tell any adult in her life. They call everyone they can think of, but no one took Stephanie home from bowling. It's around 8 p.m. when Sandy Crane makes her way to the sheriff's office after exhausting all other efforts. Uh She reports her daughter, her nine-year-old daughter, Stephanie, as a missing child. Local deputies, Custer County Search and Rescue, and the fire department are all called into the Bowling Alley area, Creek area, to search for Stephanie. As the search begins, local people make their way out to the area as well to help search. Around 50 people now who have come out and are searching the around the Bowling Alley in the dark. The search area is extended as no one finds anything. A boat is used to search the Salmon River. Trucks, horses, and even ATVs are used. Everyone reports back to the sheriff's office at midnight that night but everyone comes back empty-handed and so the search is called off it would be really interesting to see how you how they handle situation like that in such a small town Mm -hmm. and i think they did like a really good job they took it like someone was dispatched immediately a search began immediately and a ton of local people came i mean more yeah and i mean more of just because there's only so many people you can suspect so exactly you could probably get through everyone that you suspect and a night. Yeah, seriously. So it has now been 14 hours since anyone has seen Stephanie and basically everyone in Chalice knows she's missing. As the sun comes back up, over 100 volunteers show up to search, including state officers. So they've now called in Idaho state officers to come to small town Chalice to search for missing Stephanie. Mm -hmm. A photo of Stephanie and what she was last wearing gets faxed out to every county in Idaho. According to East Idaho News, Stephanie was three and a half feet tall between 75 and 80 pounds with brown hair and blue eyes she was wearing maroon sweats a maroon and white striped top with the words gimme like give me but just gimme Uh across the front and maroon and white tennis shoes it was this day that police get multiple calls about a suspicious yellow pickup truck that was parked in the high school parking lot which was right next to the elementary school that stephanie attended now, you might be thinking, okay, what did the, dr- the truck do? Why is this weird? Why did so many people call about this truck? Yeah. It did nothing. But locals swear that they had never seen this truck, and it was parked there all day so far. No one knew who it belonged to. When police go out to investigate, the truck is gone. 
A group of civilians also mailed out Stephanie's missing posters to nearby states in hopes that they would spread the message there, which this is interesting to me because now on my Twitter account, I see all the time missing, you know, posters for children who are like, hey, retweet this, spread the news. And that's how they, that's how we do it now. Right. But back then they had to put a Uh flyer in the mail and mail it out to different states and counties and say, can you guys spread the news? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. So Idaho brings in a state police dog to try and trace Stephanie's last movements, but loses her scent just yards from the bowling alley. It's now been four days since Stephanie was last seen at the bowling alley and police bring in her friends who were there that day to ask them questions. Some of them recalled seeing a stranger who was watching their bowling game and they had all never seen him before at the bowling alley. A sketch artist is brought in and the drawing was circulated statewide, but just like everything else in this investigation, it doesn't help. Even with a $50,000 reward raised by the town and an anonymous donor, nothing comes of it. It's as if nine-year-old Stephanie disappeared into thin air without a trace in broad daylight, like it was three, four o'clock. Stephanie's family is heartbroken. They haven't slept in over a week. Chalice is now living in fear. Their small, safe community was no longer safe. Children no longer walked and rode their bikes alone. A line of parents was now forming outside of the schools every day to pick up kids. Crazy how fast that can change. Yeah. Law enforcement is knocking door to door. Kind of what you were saying. Like, we just have to hit every door. Yeah, yeah. Um, Does anyone recognize the sketch? Does anyone know anything about this suspicious yellow truck? The biggest theory to investigators was that October is hunting season in Idaho and the road that Stephanie was crossing in between the school and the bowling alley is the main highway through Chalice. So anyone traveling to hunt going from city to city through Idaho would have had to take this road even if they weren't stopping in Chalice, which is kind of what you said that uh, someone from somewhere else came in and did this. Does this happen often? Do you know if people come to Chalice a lot to go hunting or? I'm assuming so because they brought it up. They were like, it's hunting season. We have a lot of traffic coming in through here that we normally wouldn't have. Worst case scenario, it had to be a stranger that made their way there that day for hunting in their opinion. A tip comes in that pushes police's hunter theory forward. Someone has seen an unknown vehicle A blue van pulled off on the highway just a half mile away from the bowling alley the night that Stephanie went missing. Didn't it wasn't the other tip though, or didn't they say it was a white truck? A yellow truck. A yellow truck. So now we have a lot of calls coming in about an unknown yellow truck that was in the high school parking lot the day that she went missing. And then now a blue van. That was parked on the side of the highway that she would have been crossing over just about a mile away the day she went missing. Okay, So two different vehicles. Okay. And 45 minutes later, after this sighting happened on the highway, another sighting of the van stood out somewhere else because there were two men fighting near the van. So this same van, they get another tip about, hey, we saw this van the day she went missing and two men were, were fighting around it and we don't know who it is. But this lead is hard. No one has the license plate of the van that is obviously no longer in Chalice. It's an unknown van. It didn't belong to anyone in the city. Yeah. On September 27th, 1994, in remembrance of Stephanie, the town releases purple balloons in her honor. In 1995, Stephanie and Ben Crane end their marriage. So like many other cases, the pressure of this pulls oh, them apart. Man. 
And this is now two years after Stephanie's went missing. In May of 1995, Sandy, her mom, moves to Nevada and passes away from blood clots in her lungs. Oh, man. So just tragedy after tragedy. Ben, her dad, still lives in Chalice and raises Stephanie's sisters. How do you cope? Grandma Hazel says you just survive. The case is cold for another year until 1997 when the Idaho Department of Fish and Game calls the Chalice Sheriff's Office. They have arrested a hunter named Keith Hescock for unlawful possession of wildlife. While they were searching his belongings, they found child pornography. So I know this is kind of like, where do you draw the two? But in such a small area, they're kind of like, hey, this guy was poaching. We saw child pornography. Maybe has to do with this unsolved case. That's the tie here. They tell Chalice police that after discovering this, they went back and looked at records only to discover that Keith was most likely around Chalice on October 11th, 1993, the day that Stephanie disappeared. How, how would they have found that out or assumed that? Yes. So he was hunting and he killed an animal. And apparently that like goes on record or oh. on book or something. And okay. so they're like, hey, we have on record that he killed an animal in this wildlife area because it's all, you like everything's detailed. And it was in Chalice? And it was near Chalice. Near, okay. Yeah. And at this time, Keith, our guy who just had child pornography and poached an animal, was driving a yellow pickup truck. No way. Way. Okay. So police search Keith's home, but they can't find any evidence of Stephanie and they can't track down the yellow truck. He had sold it. They had sold it. They had sold it. Now mm, they can't find gone. it. And although this seems like a great lead, the case once again grows cold because without any tie to Stephanie, How there's nothing they can do. And if yeah. he's not confessing, then their case is cold. In 1998, five years after Stephanie disappeared, Ben, her dad, moves the girls to Washington. And two more years pass with no word about Stephanie's disappearance. But in May of 2000, seven years after the tragic day, an inmate in Nampa, Idaho, which is about 200 miles away from Chalice, comes forward, claiming to have information on Stephanie's disappearance. The inmate says that back in 1993, he had a female friend who rented a room in a man's apartment in Chalice. And back then, there was one night where her and the neighbors heard screams coming from the basement. Why would this inmate come forward? You know what I'm saying? Like, it seems so random. Like, because does, he, does he get parole? Does he get something from it? I'm sure. I feel like that's the only reason inmates come forward. Or he's trying to get parole. You help out. It's a better chance. It, there really could okay, be anything. Okay. Yeah. The man that she was renting from was a drifter and there was a strict rule in his house about not going into the basement. The door was actually always locked. Oh, that's so freaky. And the basement window was boarded up from the outside. So you couldn't even see into the basement from the basement window. The woman asked the drifter about the noises back in 1993. So she's asking him in 1993, hey, the neighbors heard this. I heard this. Like we heard some concerning sounds coming from the basement. And he tells her that it was his daughter down there, that she was being punished for running away. And she was just throwing a fit. She was screaming, throwing a fit. It's fine. I just locked her down there. That's weird. Yeah. Really weird. So 
concerned, this woman decided, okay, I need to get out of this or I need to figure out what's going on. So one day when the drifter is out from the apartment, she decides to go through his belongings. She sneaks into his room, opens his stuff and goes through his belongings. She didn't go down to the basement? No, because it's locked. The door's locked and he has the key. But in his room, she finds little girl's underwear. Oh, no. So she decides at this point that she's just going to leave town um, and ends her lease immediately with this man. I guess just thinking from the opposite end, if it really was his daughter, would it be that weird? No, I don't know. I don't know. Right. So I I don't know. And this also is coming from an inmate in this um, confession has been passed through multiple people. So there's probably more details or less details or whatever. So in April 2000, detectives dig into the background of this unknown drifter and discover that in November of 1992, a year before Stephanie vanished, this drifter was arrested in Portland on a sex charge involving a minor. Wow. The minor, his daughter. Oh, okay. So, so just a year before this, he was arrested for sexually assaulting his daughter that he said he then locked in the basement. So it could be right, but it's also weird, right? So he was convicted of sexual abuse in the third degree, but didn't serve any time for it. And his daughter was still with him at that point? Or we're not sure? We're not sure. Okay. Do you ever find that when you're traveling, you can't help but worry about what's going on back home? Again, did you remember to lock up everything or close all the windows? It's so easy for those little concerns to nag at you while you're trying to enjoy your trip. And that's why we highly recommend looking into Simply Safe Home Security today. It's all about giving you the top-notch security and total peace of mind, no matter where your summer adventures take you. It's like having that extra layer of protection so you can truly relax and enjoy your time away. You guys, I know that when we travel, it is so nice to just have that peace of mind. You know, it's not only for when you're home and you don't want someone breaking in, but like also when you're away from home and you just want to know that your house is safe. And that is what Simply Safe gives you. There's a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras we've installed. So we have a view of all our entry points. Plus, Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System 2024 by the U.S. News and the World Report. Simply Safe has given us and many of our listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/husband. There's no safe like Simply Safe. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So detectives track down the drifter and he takes a polygraph that he fails. And the polygraph is about um, Stephanie Crane. Did you have anything to do with this abduction? He says no, he fails. Detectives get a search warrant for the apartment in Chalice where he had lived. So they go back to the place that he was living in 1993 when these screams came from the basement that everyone heard. And they search it. And they go down in the basement and there was um, some mattresses down there. And they find one with blood stains on it. And they also find a rope down there with hair in it. What? So the samples are sent to the state lab. And keep in mind, this is years and years later. Yeah. The samples are sent to the state lab and results come back inconclusive. The hair is human, but doesn't have a follicle attached, so they can't track the DNA. I don't know if you know that, but you're, 
when you pluck a hair out, normally it comes out with the skin follicle. Which is that's that little, where the, that, yeah, that the tag. Thing, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And that's the, where the DNA is held. If you pull a hair, sometimes the, the, the follicle will stay in your head. So it'd be like if you cut your hair right now, like in half. There's no skin tag. You couldn't just take this, cut this and be like, oh, it's Peyton's hair. Got it. Because there's no DNA in it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the blood evidence on the mattress was too small of a sample to work with. So they Dang. couldn't match it. Okay. This is not obviously enough evidence for an arrest. So state police now head to Chalice in hopes of finding more. They interview an employee that worked at the bowling alley seven years earlier. They bring a photo lineup that includes the drifter and ask her if she can remember what the mysterious man who was there watching the kids game. Remember that? Yep. It, what he looked like. And if any of the pictures that we have here are of him, she points to the picture with the drifter. On the the picture of the drifter. So the correct picture. Yes, that they were hoping the she'd point picture. to. Uh-huh. Yes. But this is still not enough. Like she even said, I'm not sure this kind of maybe could be him, but okay. I'm not sure. And so the case, once again, goes stagnant. Really? I'm yeah. surprised that off of that, that it just went cold again. Yeah, because if he's not confessing and they have no evidence, they can't arrest. Okay. So now we're in June of 2002. Oh, so almost 10 years later. Yes. Okay. When police are in pursuit of a hunter named Keith Hescock. So the same hunter. The same hunter from five years earlier who had the child pornography and poaching charges. Okay. This time they are in pursuit because he has kidnapped a 14-year-old girl from Idaho Falls, raped her, and handcuffed her to the bed and left for work. Yes. So So I assume they found the girl, which is why they knew. Well, yes. So he tells the girl that he's done this before and he has actually killed a little girl before. So don't mess with him. Oh my gosh. While Keith is out at work, the little girl who's 14 maneuvers a fire extinguisher over to her um, and pounds the handcuff that's handcuffed her to the bed until it breaks and then escapes. She escapes, and when Keith shows back up at home to see his 14-year-old girl that he has kidnapped. She's not there. He, She's not there, but the police are. And so he pulls up, there's police, and he takes off. He doesn't even get out. He takes off. Holy crap. He is racing through Bonneville County, but crashes in Madison County where he gets out of his car, shoots a deputy and a police dog, and then himself. What a freak. He dies, the dog dies, which, and then the policeman luckily lives. Good. Um, this completely sucks though, because now they can't talk to him about Stephanie's disappearance because he's offed himself. And all they can do is assume. And all they can do is assume that that's the little girl he was talking about Uh, to the 14 year old. That's heartbreaking. Unless they find evidence, right? But they'd already searched his home and found nothing. In December of 2006, in Thorn Creek, Idaho, 165 miles away from Chalice, a man has taken his life and left behind a note that says his friend named Kevin Mooney told him that he picked up a girl in Chalice in 1993, raped and killed her, and that her name was Steph. So a different guy now. A whole different guy now has left a note after... Um, killing himself and the note says that hey i have a friend who killed basically stephanie crane so keith might have just been this crazy coincidence not coincidence but some other crazy dude who decided to kidnap a girl 
Chalice Law Enforcement discovers that Kevin Mooney is a 42-year-old man who is contacted and brought in by the FBI. He is given a polygraph where he says that he can't remember even being in Chalice in 1993. He has no idea why his friend wrote this on his suicide note, and he passes the polygraph. Hmm. So police are like, well, shoot. It goes cold again. In 2012, 19 years to the exact day of Stephanie's disappearance, Ben, her father, dies of a heart attack. Oh, On the exact day that his daughter was kidnapped 19 years earlier. You know? Mm-mm. And from that point on, Grandma Hazel is left to handle this case alone because now oh. Stephanie's mother has died. Yep. Stephanie's father has died, both of them of natural causes. And now Grandma Hazel is the only one left. There have been no more updates on this case since then. So that's it. There's no more updates. Mm-mm. We know that in 2016, the drifter who had that house yep. with the screams in, in the basement was interviewed again, but nothing has been released on that interview. Stephanie and her family will never be forgotten. We will be posting an age progression photo on our social media if you want to keep an eye out for Stephanie, especially if you're in the Idaho area. And if you have any information about the disappearance of Stephanie Crane, you can confidentially contact the Custer County Sheriff's Office at 208-879-2232. And that's the story of missing nine-year-old Stephanie Crane. Wow. So within that story, it's crazy, though, because they actually caught a guy who... Right? They caught a guy who had kidnapped a girl. And then also another sexual assault on a daughter. Yeah. And then... The random note confession. I just don't understand how there's so many possibilities. How there's so many crazy people. Right. It it sucks that I guess the parents never got closure. Uh, I wish we knew what happened. I know. I'm sorry to leave you hanging, but I figured we should do an unsolved. Yeah, because it's hard. It's hard because Mm -hmm. there's no closure, but also at the same time, there's a possibility that Stephanie could still be found. I mean, we've seen cases where girls are kidnapped and held for years. That's true. I didn't even think that maybe she's still alive. So that's why I'm covering this case because in hopes that if I get the information out, if you go to our social media and you look at the pictures, maybe you know something, maybe you don't, maybe you will see something, maybe mm-hmm. you won't. I don't know, but it, I think it's important that Stephanie's case is put out yeah, there because no, it's I unsolved agree. and we don't know where she is. Because I didn't even think that. They, they never found a body. No. So we really don't know. We have no idea. That is the story of Stephanie Crane. Once again, just thank you to everyone who has been supporting us. We seriously can't even believe this community. We feel so blessed. But It's, it's been really fun. We're actually having a really good time doing yeah. this. And we will see you guys next week for another episode. I love it. And I hate it. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.